Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. Hey, before we get started with today's show, I just want to draw your attention to new merchandise. Funkin' Stuff and Truth and Rhythm designs are in, and they look pretty darn cool. So show your support, help support the program, and show off some stylish merchandise and apparel. Only at the Funkin' Stuff store. Well, tell us, uh, tell us more about, we, we want to know more about that, that George Clinton scene. Um, Tell, tell us what some of those characters were like that were part of that. Like, what, what was Bootsy like? And um, what was George like in terms of a producer? They're all geniuses. Don't think that you see these guys, oh, yeah, bro, buddy, you know, and they got big old glasses and dancing funny. These guys know how to make a million dollars. These guys know how to take care of business. These guys know how the business world works. They're not just dudes off of a street. These guys are very intelligent, knowledgeable business people, as well as very spiritual people coming from their gospel background. I'm sitting in the studio doing an overdub for us. Uh, I'm doing an overdub and Sly walks into the studio, and he's as stoned as you could be. I mean, they were freebasing, you know, with George, you know, right? And he came through the studio, walked through the door, which is double doors, double walls. That's why you couldn't hear was me it, in the was, studio. was that for this one? At that time, yeah. All of that was going on. I was doing that exactly. Yep. <laughs> Jeez, you did your homework. God bless you. You know, and so Sly walks in. He goes into the other room. He shuts the double doors so you can't hear it. It's airtight. And I'm playing my drum. And I go, and I just made a breath. And Sly turned around in the other room, 10 feet away with the doors closed, double walls. He said, bro, I heard you breathe. Do it again. That's very perceptive. I just went, ah. he's 15 feet away from me with double doors in between us. And he's so perceptive with his ears. 
you see. And they're out of the box. You're playing with Sly. He says, okay, I want you in shock to your wife to, to sing, you know, uh, uh, na, 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 you know, so we got to do that, you know. And, uh, you know, as a drummer, I was educated, but as a singer and guitar player, I wasn't, you know. But I was in the studio. I mean, my dad, you know, he had a wire tape recorder before there was regular tape recorders. And so I've been recording all my life and been around that, you know. But Slice says, okay, we're not going to go into the other room and put earphones on. He says, I want to feel it live. So right in back of the engineer is a closet. We all went in the closet and we left the door open. And he played the music really loud and we had a microphone by an open door. So we were listening to the music through the speakers like it would be a live band. And we were singing along with it to get that live thing. You see, and he wasn't worried about the music coming on onto the thing. You know, he he took me into a little door over there, and and but we were listening to the live music direct, no earphones. That's recording out of the box. You see, that's recording out of the box. It's not being very, it's not being stiff. You know, oh, let's do it this way. No, 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 no. You can hear this here. No, no, no. Man, they wanted to get the energy going. Man, they wanted to feel part of the whole thing. You know. Vibe. Uh, it's about the vibe. Yeah, and then and then they really respected the fact that I was a yoga teacher, so I became the masseuse for all of them, for for Sly, for uh, uh, for Bernie Warhol, for Bootsy, for uh, George, a lot of the you know a uh, lot of the P Funk guys around there, and um, so I was teaching them yoga and breathing exercises and uh, how to meditate. So that was going on in those five years. And it was a party. It was a continual party. Uh, you know, like um, you come to the session, you know, well, in those days, you know, I was a little bit more partying than I am now. But, you know, in those days, you go to the session, and uh, all of a sudden, this guy walks in. He looks like he's the mafia. <laughs> it, it was Louie, right? And Louie walks in and says, bro, George sent me. I said, well, what did he say before? He says, he wants you to give you the D. <laughs> so, you know, he, he brought the weed and everything to the session. I didn't even have to go look for it, right? Those guys really thought about you. You know, they and George says, I don't want you to worry about spending studio time and that you got to hurry. You know, so we would take, we would put a tab of acid in, in a wine bottle and drink that and stay in the studio three days and three nights straight. I went through three engineers in three days that time. Right, and I would just sleep for an hour or two on the couch while the engineer was doing some uh, mixing and doing overdubs. Right, it we were in, in, immersed in the studio, immersed, immersed in the studio. You know, the first drum machine I heard with George, it's funny as hell. You know, I sort of thought I was a fairly good drummer, you know. <laughs> now I'm hearing George's track. You don't know about drum machines yet, right? At that time, there was just a click track, you know, not a drum machine. Mm -hmm. So I'm hearing George's track. The bass drum is going, you know, the bass drum is going, you know, and I'm, I said, geez, I think I'm getting old. 
that's pretty fast on the bass drum. Do you, you know, remember what track or that might have been? I don't even remember because, you know, <laughs> it was back there in that time. I mean, but, I know you were on this one also. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, you're hearing tracks and you don't hear the whole song. They're giving you the rhythm track, you know. But anyways, I heard that and for two weeks I was depressed. Because I said, that sucker, these young kids got such fast feet that I could not even contemplate being that fast with my feet. And so one day, I'm listening to George do the mix on the song. And I, after two weeks, I, it, it, it irked me too much. It was the kind of thing where you like avoid it and you don't avoid it and you avoid it and you avoid it, and you know. You don't even want to say that, you know, that that guy is a badass drummer that you couldn't ever even think of doing what he did, you know. And I said, George, who in the hell is playing drums? He said, there ain't no drummer there, man. That's just a drum machine. <laughs> Push the thing, it goes, Drrr. right? Well, my, my heart just got relieved. I said, oh. Thank God, I thought that guy sounded really great, you know. But most people don't know that's not a drummer. I was in the student. I was in George's house when Sly and George were there, and they got a phone call from the record company. And George school, yeah, no shit. Come on, man, don't you know we do? We're, we're the fucking funk. We're the funk. Don't you know that? Yeah, I mean, you tell him. What do you mean? No real drummer. Why do you want to use a drum machine? What? I mean, we's the funk. Don't you understand? We's the funk, and we, I mean, we got the funkiest drummer on the planet. And you, you, you want us to do a drum machine? And the guy goes, "Yeah, and if you don't, you don't have a contract." All right, Tommy Dog. That's Ted Courier, right? Was the per guy that with Capital? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. Then George hangs up and he looks at Sly and says, Man, these punks want us to use a drum machine. Now, we the, we the, we the P-Funk. You know, I mean, that's like trying to tell James Brown to use electric drums. Right. <laughs> right. All of that came from that five-year period that I was in the studio with there. I mean, just stop and think to live five years immersed with the funk. You know, you're living yet and you learn to go to a studio living it and the, the, the studio's a party it's business it's a party it's creativity it's god it, it's worldly it's all of it at the same time did, did you get to meet dennis chambers he was playing their live shows during that period see back then i didn't even know all of those guys i knew george bootsy sly you know and uh, I got a picture I, I, I could send you of, of, of that time. Uh, I know you were on uh, this Bootsy project, right? Oh, is that God Mamas? Yeah. Yeah. That's a rare yeah, album I, right there. I don't even know what song I'm on.
So you never uh, played live with them, only in the studio? Oh, no, I played live with them. In, that's what I said when I went to California. I played a lot of live gigs there in the 90s, throughout the whole 90s. Their California gigs. George, you know, uh, George, you know, I said I said once to George when we went to play with him in Central Park, and um, I said, "Well, you want me to make rehearsals?" He says, "No, nah, you're the shaman of the group. You don't need to rehearse shit. You just come anytime you want." So my association with George is that he he basically let me come anytime I want to come. And, you know, he said, you know, Maruga is not uh, one of my musicians. Maruga is no one unto himself. So we we play together. And, and he's welcome to come anytime he comes. So, you know, I'm a lifetime P-Funk all-star. And if you're playing in the vicinity, I, could ju I just go and I play. I end up giving George a good massage, too, afterwards. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a masseuse with yoga, you know. And, uh, you know, I helped him for the whole period that he was having problems with his feet, you know, massaging him. Because the free base was causing, the, 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 the salt, was the sodium in the free base was causing him to get swollen feet. Mm -hmm. So when he found that out, he stopped that stuff. Well, the Central Park uh, gig was the relanding re of the mothership, right? Yeah, and I was yeah. on that gig, yeah. Wow. That yeah, had Bootsy yeah, that and was... Bernie and all those guys. Yeah, and uh, from and, and the uh, Paul Paul uh, from the TV show uh, David Letterman. <laughs> yeah, Paul Schaefer. Yeah, yeah. Letter so I, I actually uh, gave Paul Schaefer. We gave him a ride. He was so wasted he didn't know where to hell to get, how to get even out of the concert. He said, "Hey, hey Maruga, help me out of here." So I got him a ride in in in, in the limo that took us out. You know, because we went to the club. And I ended up giving him a knot of drum, you know, because he said, man, I really dig that drum. So I said, here, you could have it, because Latin percussion was making them for me. And he was so gracious, he laid a $100 bill, dollar bill in my pocket. You know, he says, here, you know. I said, I didn't ask for that. He said, nah, I just want to give it to you, right? Now, what about, can you speak to a little bit about the philosophy of funk and the one and oneness and how that relates to how you started out with the whole thing of the cosmic energy of music and the and the connectedness of it all well in christ it's oneness you know in god it's oneness you know it's it's the oneness of, of all we're a cosmic organism in um in of course everybody's going to have their own view you know but you know what? It, what does the word funk really mean? It means the stench of the cold sweat after hard work. It smells funky. So when you are really working very hard, not not working hard, but when you are really intensely jamming. You develop a sweat, and that sweat is funky. You know that's one view of this. And you know, he George would say, when you're on the one, when you are on the one, then the music is on the one. 
Native Americans don't go one, two, three, four. They go one, 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 do, do, do. It's all one. They're not going one, two, three, four. They're going one, 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 one. Hey, like that. You see, it's the same kind of principle. And the funk comes from the gospel rhythms and the anointing of the singer and the musician when they get hit by the Holy Spirit they start cooking and they get out of their ego and the intuition you know takes over and the spirit takes over and that's what that that is all about and um, being on the one is being in oneness and then you can play on the one but now when I was in Springfield, Illinois, playing at a um, Chitlin's gig, you know, they had these jazz Chitlin gigs, you know, guys like Jack McDuff and Jimmy Smith and all those guys. But in Springfield, Illinois, I went to this, they called them black and tans because it was primarily black clubs, and a few white people would go there, and when they did, it sort of made the black club tan. That was the, the riff of it, see. So here I am. And I'm trying to play like Joe Morello, and I'm trying to play real straight. I, I'm thinking every beat is has got to be right, you know. Ta-ting, ta-ting, you know, my bass drum, my side, it's got to be in time. Ta-ting, 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 ta-ting. And I'm going like that. And I got through playing, and this old black drummer comes up to me. God bless his soul. I wish I knew him now. I don't know where he's from. I never knew the guy. He just came up to me out of the dark club sat at my table and said, son, you're a good drummer. And you play in time, and you play good time, but we just don't play it that way. I said, well, sir, what do you mean? He says, well, the beat of the bass drum, it's on the one. Like this, right? It's not that you're playing that, but you're on time. He said, now the ride symbol is ahead of that beat. See, boom, boom. The eighth notes is pushing. It's a little ahead. But the bass drum is doing that still, right? Now the back beat, he says, we put in back of the beat. So the ride up symbol, sock or ride, is on top of the beat. But the back beat is in back of the beat. So now it's all in time. But one is on top, one is on it, and the other is in back of it, and that makes funk. Yeah, funk's not precise. You see, it's precisely unprecise. Okay, it's not all exactly, but it's got something that is precise, which is the beat. The bass drum is not rushing, not dragging, it's on it. But the 
but the ride symbol instead of going da 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 da, it's going da 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 It's it's pushing. In the backbeat, ah, instead of um da um da, it's um da ah. You see, it gives it a feeling of, of of a looseness, you know, like it's, yes. sort of, it's sort of like a dichotomy because you know um, the best bands or uh, funk bands are so tight, but they still have that, you know. Like when I saw Bootsy's Rubber Band at their peak, I've never seen a tighter band, but they were so on the one and so funky, it was just incredible. Yeah, it's all tight. It's not that it's not tight. Just because you're out playing on top, it's called pushing the beat and dragging the beat. The push and the drag. Shoo, 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 shoo. Instead of oh, 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 it's shoo, shoo. And, instead, and dragging it is instead of um, bop, um, bop is um, ah, ah. Just a little bit in back of it, but it's on. It's on, but it's... There's kind of like a, a release element to it. It creates a bubble. It creates dimension. That's the whole concept of the three gunas of the yoga, that the earth, that, that, that existence comes from the three vibratory frequencies. Thrust, which is fast, a glide, See, if I thrust a glider airplane, thrust it, that's the big bang. That's the throwing of the airplane. Once I throw the airplane, it glides. But then after, it only will glide to an even glide depending on how much energy is in the thrust. Then the glide starts to diminish and fall like, the, like a glider would if you throw a paper airplane you throw it it flies across the room and then boom it comes down okay the thrust energy is an energy that's fast then you got another energy this it's it's not fast like the bass drum and then you got this other energy this lethargic condensed like it's backbeat. Those three energies create three polar areas that create energy. That's what creates movement. The move that movement creates energy. And 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 then when they overlap, different energy frequencies overlap. They condense into matter. So as water freezes to ice, light freezes to matter and in that oneness there is funk <laughs> I like it what was it like uh, can you describe what it's like being on stage with P-Funk when they're doing like one of those 15 minute hypnotic deep grooves that just you get in that zone and what is that like I did it for five hours 
literally with one break during Maggot Brain. Because George used to go at nine and come off at, you know, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, one, two. The band didn't stop from nine to two. It didn't have a break. Right. So it's a trance. You don't know what it's like. It's like when I jammed with Jimi Hendrix at the scene. He looked at me and then he closed his eyes. I closed my eyes. And then I saw in my eye, you know, I could feel the rhythm of my hand going. And then, then the consciousness went away from my hand and I went up into the head. And then I didn't even know that I was playing until the song was ending. And I opened my eyes and said, holy shit, what the hell happened? Did I even play okay? I didn't even know what I did. You know, so it's trance. Now, on certain levels, it's very ecstatic. You know, and then when you do come aware of the room and stuff like that, it's like a cosmic circus. It's an energy that's hitting you from every dimension. Isn't that what church does? You have the icons, you see? You have the smell of the incense. You got the candles lit. You got the choir singing. Ah! Yeah. So it's food for the senses. And so you get a, it's, it's extremely gratifying. You know you really did something. You know you did something monumental. You know you went on a trip. I never, even though I'm a soloist, I never try to um, show off a lot and do shit when I played with George. I said, I'm going to become the backbone. I'm going to lock into the sock cymbal and the bass drum. You know, I'm going to lock into the drummer. I'm not going to play a lot of fancy shit to get in the drummer's way because it's his seat. He's supposed to be directing the way. I don't want him to feel like I'm causing him that he can't go where he wants to go. So I played just very rhythmical and in the pocket and very rhythmical in the pocket and allowing him to leave and do anything he wanted to do, yet the beat would always still be there. You just dropped that you had you got to play with Hendrix. I didn't know that. Yeah, he saw me playing when I came one night. I came from Teddy Nugent's recording session of uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth, and I walked around. After that, I went to the scene in New York, and I walked in and uh, I sat in with Buddy Miles. And Buddy Miles, they had three drum sets that night set up. I walked in and there's Buddy Miles, Mitch Mitchell, and Larry Coriel playing with the Muddy My Buddy Miles band. And Buddy said, sit in. And I sat in. And I played with Mitch Mitchell and Larry Coriel that night. And Hendrix was in the audience. And I got through playing, and I hear, hey, man. And I looked around. He said, yeah, you. I mean, it sounded like the guy who was saying, are you experienced, you know, telling me to come there. You know, I went, he said, hey, man, I don't, I don't have my axe. If I come tomorrow, can we jam? <coughs> Hell yeah. And I came the next day. <coughs> he brought a bass. And he and I just locked into the bass and the drums, and we went into a trance. We disappeared. 
All I know is when we got through playing, we we had a grin on our face, and we went and hugged each other. And he gave me his number and said, "Give me a call." And then, for a long time, I was thinking about, and I had his address too in the village. So I wanted to write him a letter. I was with Paul Winter. <coughs> I kept on putting it off, putting it off, and putting it off. And then one day I heard he died. But I met Michael Quashi, who was an influence to Hendrix, as far as looking like a gypsy and being far out. Michael Quashi brought over the limbo to America. And so he got Hendrix to look like that um, uh, Jamaican gypsy look you know and psychedelic jamaican <laughs> all of that kind of stuff that's michael quashi you know uh, was a good friend of his and he used to come see me play and he says you're you like hendrix maruga you're an experience because he would see me play these long hour drum solos so he invited me over to his pad he in, inherited jimmy hendrix's village pad. I went to that house with an ounce of weed and sat there for a whole day talking to Michael Quashi about Hendrix. He took me into Hendrix's bedroom and I saw all of his clothes, the purple haze outfit, everything. I tried them on, you know. I said, I gotta try that shit on, man. You know, I just gotta feel the vibe, you know. And Michael said, you know, yeah, he says, you gotta, you gotta become bigger than, than all. You know, you got to walk in. They got to know that you're, you know, something is happening and that you're there. You know, he says you got to go beyond people's concepts. And uh, uh, you know, we talked a lot about that aspect of of the music. And uh, he was a big influence to me as well. Did Did you ever uh, aspire to become like you know a superstar, big star, or or were you? content being more of a supporting player and just doing the kinds of music that you felt, you know, fulfilled you? Well, you're always trying to make it big. You're always trying to, be, you know, do something, but you're always satisfied with where you're at when you know yourself, right? And um, it, it was weird for, you know, like I, I, w I was uh, really happy to be able to do Blues from the Rainforest with Merle Saunders and Jerry Garcia. I influenced that. It was actually my project. They took it over. And they made their three million, and I didn't. <laughs> but, you know, uh, out of all of that, instead of being a big star, actually, I got, I made an album anti-war, anti-pollution, anti-radiation pollution kind of thing, and I gave Three to five thousand records away, see cassettes away, just trying to uh, stop the wars and the pollution. And uh, at the same time, I did the Rainforest album, and I gave one of those CDs cassettes away. And I I was throwing them out to the audience by the hundreds, and I threw it at one guy, and one guy took that record to. Japan gave it to Takito Kato and the mayor of Hiroshima. And they brought me to Hiroshima and gave me the 1991 Voices for Peace Award. Hmm. And that's the recognition 
that I'm proud of. And, you know, people can become a big name and fame. But when you could do a little, just a little bit for society, you know, when you could get recognized as, you know, and get the Hiroshima Voices for Peace Award, I said, shit, I made it. I mean, that's exactly because Swami Satchidananda, who gave me the name Maruga and who I studied with, I, always, I asked him one time at a retreat, what would be a one message I could give people around the world? He says, the peace is within. See, the peace is within. And that's why my motto is world peace through inner peace. Now, him saying that at Woodstock, when I met him at Woodstock, I said, what's life? He said, life is energy, and God gave you free will. And you are energy, and I just saw at Woodstock, 10,000 people go over the fence. He says, see that? I said, yeah. He says, that's energy. He says, and they came to see you and your energy. And your energy can make their energy go positive or negative, and the choice is yours. What do you want? And right there, I realized that I want to make the energy go positive, and the only way to do that is to realize the inner peace. And the Indian music and the drone and the raga quality influenced my music, influenced my funk, and it made me dedicate myself to inner peace, and I ended up making New Age hits. In the New Age, if you sell 275,000, you're a superstar in the New Age. Actually, a megastar, because it takes 10,000 to be a star in the New Age, and it takes 25,000 to be a superstar in the New Age idiom. We sold 275,000 units, you know, and gave twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 away to the Rainforest Action Network. See, so you think that you're going to help the, you know, now all of that, such a Dananda teaching me about peace, that led me to be able to think in a such a way, act in a such a way, that I got the Hiroshima Voices for Peace Award. And so I do feel fulfilled. And then I came back here, and then right at that time, I got struck with hepatitis C, and I didn't know it. I came, I thought I was dying, and I came back to Detroit. I realized I had hepatitis C. Doctor says, you're chronic. I don't know if we can save you. This is 21 years ago. So I'm saved, right? And I made it, right? You look pretty good to me. Yeah, and I made it. I'm 78 uh, years old. Nice. Right? Yeah. Right? And, 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 and uh, uh, I, I survived that, but that made me drop out a lot for a period of time. Then I needed to have a back operation and a knee operation. So within that 10 years, instead of playing abroad, I played, I recorded albums in my Sage Court studio in the backyard. I created a studio in my garage. Bob Dennis from the disc over there with George, designed my studio here. So now I'm free of hepatitis. Uh, I had a hernia at the same time. I'm healed from that. I'm healed from my foot and I'm healed from my back, right? So I'm, go I'm, I'm still playing. I'm starting all over again. Every, every day is a new cycle. Did, I'm curious. 
uh, Maruga, did you ever uh, cross paths with Bill Laswell? Bill Laswell? I don't, I don't think so. Oh, because he's, you know, a, a well-known producer out of New York that worked a lot with George and the P-Funk guys and uh, very eclectic, adventurous, does trance music, does electronic music, does funk. Oh, I'd love to meet him. He produced uh, Herbie Hancock's Rocket hits. Um, I took Herbie Hancock to meet Swami Satchidananda when he was searching back then, and I, he and Swami Satchidananda met. Okay. I remember that time. Yeah, well, I think you'd be a kindred girls. spirit with, with Bill Aswell. I, I played with Herbie in, in Wade Shorter at the, um, uh, it, it, it was a uh, uh, Mac World at the Anaheim Convention Center where they gave a prize to Peter Gabriel, and um, Hancock was, had a bunch of electronic stuff set up. For some reason, the computer failed, and Herbie... Said, and, and, and Wayne was playing with him, and Todd Rundgren was there. And Herb, Herbie says, hey, Maruga, my shit ain't happening. Can we just jam with you? I says, man, that'd be an honor for me. you know. And then and then Todd Rundgren was there, and I said, hey, Todd, why don't you jam with us? He said, well, I don't know what I would do with Herbie. I said, Todd, you're Todd. You don't do nothing with Herbie but be Todd. We ain't asking you to be Herbie. Be Todd. I don't care how, just play the way you play. He said, oh, okay, okay. So I actually had a jam session that day with Wayne Shorter, Herbie Hancock, and uh, my friend Dan Mates, who put the whole thing together. And the group was called Realia. And uh, they had brain things hitched up to my head, and they were showing my brain waves on a wall. We were uh, synced up to the uh, to the satellite to Brian Eno's club and to Prince's club. And uh, uh, we, we had uh, triggers on the floor so little girl angels walked out. So when they walked onto the, uh, onto the floor, all kinds of tinkerbells and, and sounds would happen, you know. Uh, it was a very far out event, you know. Wow, but, that's wild. <laughs> but you, know, you brought up Herbie, you know, so I, I was thinking about that. that was, it was a wonderful experience. Oh, I'm glad you shared that. I'm a huge Herbie fan, so. Well, you know, all of these people are very divine, beautiful, creative souls. They added so much to uh, the world. And I, I'm, I'm thankful to, uh, to be just a forest gump of cracking the wall, seeing all of this stuff happen. <laughs> to be a little part of something, you know? You know, you've done uh, so many kinds of music. I mean, is, is there any or a couple of genres that are your favorite or, or are you just whatever? Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's whatever it's it's now all the influences come through with intuition, you know. And I don't I'm like a bastard. I don't claim to be rock. I don't even claim to be funk. I don't claim to be reggae. I don't claim to be uh, world. But I end up getting, uh, you know, the Detroit Music Awards gave me nine awards in the world music idiom, you know, and and uh, so I just like. Any any music that's played from the soul and played well, I like it. And I don't claim that I'm the best at this or the best at that. I don't know. I, I'm just always like a, a child trying to do it, you know. How, how ridiculous do you think it is the way the music industry has tried to, you know, pigeonhole and 
segregate all the different kinds of music and, and how that has gone. I'm sure you must find that frustrating to some extent. It's a, um, because their minds are segregated. You know, after all, we came out of, we, uh, America came, um, it's a beautiful nation now. And I, I think it's one of the best in the whole world. But it came out of Europe coming in here and killing the Indians, you know, like they did to Sitting Bull. They didn't, they didn't pay attention to one treaty. And, and, and they ended up shooting him because they were afraid that he was going to be the Indian Messiah and cause a rebellion. So uh, America is born on taking the land away from a people who were here already. And then it was born uh, by uh, slavery. But actually, if it wasn't for the slaves, we wouldn't have America because they were the workforce that created it, America to be able to happen, though under a very negative uh, point of view and way, still, if it wasn't for the slaves, we wouldn't have none of America. And so America is born out of killing the Indians and making slaves out of the Africans. But a lot of African chiefs in Africa sold those Africans, <laughs> right? So, uh, you know, Jesus goes all the way back to Jesus. He says, uh, listen to your slave owner. You know, don't rebel, but listen. That was a way of work back then. You know, if you weren't a slave, you might you'd have to be fending for yourself out in the woods and finding food and finding this and finding that. To be a slave, you were living with the landlord's land. Uh, you were he, he gave you a house, he gave you some food, and in different degrees, the guy the landlord was either a bastard or a very nice guy. And accordingly, that's how you were treated as a slave. You know, some were probably good and some were very bad. You know, and I wouldn't want to be in either position. Uh, God bless them all. But um, so we came out of that segregation, out of that killing, and out of that fighting, and out of that taking over. And uh, uh, it became us today who are still segregated with the music, still segregated in our minds, still with the I, me, you duality point of view instead of the one point of view. That's why George is like a saint in a certain kind of sense. You know, like he. Yeah, Satan means just one who's connected to the one, you know, and uh, you don't have to look a particular way to be connected to the one. You, you can look like anything, you see. That's why they say, well, I sort of freak people out. They say, how can you be an Orthodox priest looking the way I look? You know, I says, well, you know, I don't kill. I got the Hiroshima voices for peace. I look a little weird. I'm 78. I got a right to look weird. <laughs> but, you know, I look weird because... I don't look like you, who's copying everything. See, it's called individualism, yeah. I, yeah, I'm, personhood. See, that's the difference. Today, we got people who are individualists. You see, I, me, mine, I don't need you. I got a computer. I can get anything I want. I don't need anybody. I can get sex on a computer. I can get food on a computer. I can get anything I want on a computer. I'm here in my little cubby hole, and I'm computerizing, and I don't need nothing over there. Or you know, isolated individual, narcissism. Individual. But a personhood, a person needs another person. See, a person has to have another person to propagate the race. We have to have a male and a female to propagate the race. So we have to be an organism. In personhood, we realize we're a human organism rather than separatism, 
we're an organism under one light, under one spirit, under one God source. The word God is very misleading, see. God is a name for source. So the source of this cosmos. So the scientist has a source. Spirituality has a source. Even atheism has a source. They just ain't saying that there's a God in the sky looking down and saying, if you do wrong, I'm going to you know, make you go to hell. No, I don't believe in that kind of God. I believe in the source God who was the potential of everything. And then the spirit becomes the potential moving and creating all of this existence. And we are all part and one with it. You see, so we have to realize this unity. And until we do that, we're going to have separatism. We're going to have uh, you, me, and this, and that, see? Instead, one sage, uh, Maharaji, um, he said, wisdom is to know I am nothing, and love is to know I am everything, and my life moves between the two. So when I know I'm nothing, then I can see the everythingness of it, and by seeing I'm everything, I love you as myself. It's just that simple. And when we see that we're part of a cosmic organism, why would you want to pollute your own organism? Well, some people do pollute their bodies. They put all kinds of stuff into it that you wouldn't want to put into it. Right? So they, they pollute themselves. They don't worry about polluting the rest of the world. Some some guy, Swami Satyadananda said they, 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 they caught a guy at the ashram and he was taking the junk in the ashram and he was throwing it on the other side of the fence of the ashram. So the junk wasn't in the ashram. The garbage wasn't in the ashram. The ashram was clean. But he made the earth dirty on the other side of the fence. You know, and the guru came up to him and said, wait, 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 why are you throwing the junk over there? He says, well, to keep the ashram clean, he says, now you, now you made the earth dirty. You, you know, it don't work like that. You know, you just don't throw the junk somewhere. You got to take care of it properly. It's like that. You know, when we see that uh, we got to treat ourselves proper, then we start treating the earth proper. The, the enemy is inside. It's not outside. Even your enemy. You know, let's say you got an Al-Qaeda or an ISIS and you say he's my enemy. But his concept of us being the enemy is inside him, in his mind. So he's fighting something in his mind and projecting it outside. But in oneness, there is no other. So who's he projecting it onto? Himself. Wow. Deep Thoughts in This Truth and Rhythm with Maruga Booker. Um, <laughs> do you have a, a, a particular favorite album that you've done that just is the thing you're most proud of? I'm very happy with an album that I just did. And it's, um, it's, call, it, it, it's called Jamdemic. And it's with Tony Strat, P-Funk Thomas, it's with um, um, David Winans of the Winans Gospel Group playing bass and singing. 
and it's uh, Amico, Cindy Lopper's keyboard player, my co-leader friend, uh, Justin Bridges, who's rapping and playing guitar, and my wife is singing, and we just had it, we recorded it in my studio, and we had Greg Riley, who makes all of the P-Funk, makes our stuff. And I'm really excited about that. And I, I don't judge it by a better, you know, like all of the stuff with the P-Funk, I was little parts, and I didn't think that I was something that made it any greater or any worse. Uh, I, I was sort of a part. Uh, and I'm proud of doing those parts and doing the things that I did. Um, I felt, but I don't feel like I totally expressed everything that I do, but you're not supposed to do that on every album. This album here that I did, uh, World Jamdemic, I feel that I really expressed myself in the rock and the funk and the blues idiom and that. And I like my album that I did from Woodstock to uh, 69 to Woodstock today, uh, you know, because I played the Woodstock Festival in Detroit commemorating the 50th. Uh, weather Report, uh, Blues from the Rainforest, those, those kind of things. Um, but I still, I still don't think that I did what I'm going to do. Well, how can, how can people hear and, and get a hold of that uh, world, world, world Jamdemic? Jamdemic? Yeah. Okay, go to uh, Yay Plus, capital Y-A-Y, with the plus sign, and also go to the App Store. It's either out now or within this week, there's going to be a Yay Plus app, and you could get it there. But then I'm also very proud of the fact that I did 89 albums, and they're all on my band camp. And that's why it's hard to see, you know, one album I'm playing free jazz. The other one I'm doing meditative music. The other one, you know, it, it's it's rock and roll. The other one is, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, metal priest. And the, uh, you know, and they go to all of these different dimensions. So I'm really proud of the fact that I got 89 albums on Bandcamp. Go to Maruga, small small text, Maruga, M U R U G A. B O O K E R dot bandcamp, B A N D C A M P dot com, and you will see 89 albums there. Wow. How far back do they go? To 66. That's something. Wow. A guy came in to the chess mate when I was playing jazz with Pat LaRose and my mentor, Pat Bowlby. And he was the drummer that walked out of the house when I went to go sit in. And he says, screw you, I quit. That same guy and I became good friends. And he came to my gig, and he recorded a gig one day. And it was a rainy gig with 20 people in the club at the Chessmate on a weekday. And he recorded on a two-track. And my friend Jeff Stevens took that two-track and mastered it. And we... We, 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 we doubled the two-track three ways. So one of the tracks, three stereos, two, four, six tracks, three stereos. They're all the same because it was just done on a stereo. But what we did is we took the three stereo tracks, 
two of the stereo tracks, we enhanced the bass. The other one, we did the mid-range. And the other one, the high-range. And then we mixed it all together into stereo. And it's a fantastic uh, album. It's really nice jazz from that time, 1966. And then 66, 67. You know, it was just the time. It's the same band that we used to play with Hooker. But, you know, with Hooker, we could sound like Hooker. And with us, we would sound like us. You know, we, we were chameleons and we adapted. We didn't have the ego of saying, well, we got to be us when we're playing with you. We were always us, but we were us in the hooker context. When you're playing with hooker, go where I go. Yeah, well, so, I mean, you've been kind of chameleon-like your whole career, just uh, flowing from one kind of idiom to another and, you know. Um, yeah, you know, my wife sort of brought up, to, you know, you, you were talking, he asked me about making it big. Look, Lever and Krebs wanted to produce me. They had Eldrin's memory with John Lennon and Aerosmith. And I was starting to already think new age and new music. And they said, we want you to play uh, like Aerosmith. And I says, well, you're wanting me to play crotch rock. And I'm trying to, uh, and I'm trying to do something further out in, in jazz, funky like Weather Report or something. You know, and they, so I walked out on them. I didn't accept going with Al Cooper when he wanted me to go on the road. I turned down Nugent. Uh, you know, I quit Paul Winter. I quit Dave Brubeck. So I was up there. But, you know, not just on my own, but I was really up there doing it. You know, when you're in Carnegie Hall, Woodstock, you're recording in A&M Records, you got, you know, you're, you're, the engineer is John Lennon's engineer, you know, uh, you're doing it. But I walked out on that because I was looking for myself. I wanted to know me. And I'm glad that I got to know me rather than take the money. It wouldn't be bad. I wouldn't go to hell for it. But I wouldn't know. Uh, I quit Brubeck because I saw that I had a, uh, I had a vision of making a nada drum. And so I I saw as long as I'm playing with all of these famous guys and playing every day, I'm not inventing my thing that I want to invent so I could be different and new. So I dropped out. I, I, I listened to what Timothy Leary and Alan Watts said. Turn on, tune in, drop out, and tune in. You know? And, and I did that. Literally, I did that. And I ended up playing with Timothy Leary's last book signing in California. He jammed with us. You know, uh, I ended up being with Baba Ramdas and Muktananda, you know, uh, who's friends with Alan Watts, <laughs> you know, in, in studying all of the yoga and doing that. So uh, I'm not uh, sad that I missed out on anything because I didn't miss out on knowing myself. And that's the most important. You must know yourself and see yourself in others. What do I mean? Consciousness. Everything is consciousness or unconscious. God is consciousness in potential, not knowing itself yet. When it becomes a begotten energy, it becomes the Christos. It starts knowing itself. It, the, its own energy happens by its own nature. And spirit means movement. And so consciousness moving is God knowing himself. 
God expressing itself and seeing itself. And it's all the one source that is becoming everything and coming through each one of us to get to know itself through us. And it's very beautiful. And you could be real famous, but when it comes time to die, you're going to die. And if you don't know yourself, you don't know who's dying. You think the body's dying. No, you know, the body, you, you know, you think you're dying. The body is dying, but who are you? Who, what leaves when the body dies? The body dies and the body sits still. But the breath goes out of the body. So that's why in Slavonic they say, Sviata Maduka, Holy Spirit breath. So I tell people, I'm not breathing. Breathing is having me. The breath, the air, is having me. I'm not having it. Stop and think. The air, the breath, was here before us. Before photosynthesis. The breath, the air, the fire, the air, the water, was here before us. It became photosynthesis. The air and the light, energy, all became photosynthesis and life began. So it's the air that's creating all of this and entering all of this and giving life and movement to all of this. So I pay tribute to the breath, the Holy Spirit breath. And that's why I say we're a cosmic organism, all living off the same spirit, breath, life force. We're one. On the one. On the one. And when you're on the one, say, back to, you know, where is it? Back to the tribe. Back to the tribe. Taking you back to the tribe. Back to the tribe. Do not fear. Got the drums. And the beat is here. Put your hand on the one because it's mighty nice. To the Global Village Beat of Paradise. Hey, why don't you come to the Global Village Beat? Put it on the one. Hey, why don't you come to the Global Village Beat? Put it on the one. Outstanding. On the one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Maruga, thank you so much for, for doing the interview. It's been a blast. And, uh, Keep at it, man, and, and maybe you'll be back on the road one of these days. Will you perform again live? Or? Heck yeah. I, I got a band called Maruga Cosmic Boogie and also uh, Booker and Bridges Delight. I'm going to be recording with the new one. I'm always playing a lot at the Token Lounge here. It's a very famous place in Detroit, uh, in uh, Westland, around that area. Uh, the Token Lounge. They got a lot of great acts. Uh, they, they, they come through that place. I really love that place. But uh, maybe we'll get a booking agent and a, and a manager that'll uh, get us out there. I sort of kept away from that all of these times, searching for myself. But now I found myself. I'm not really uh, searching. I'm more or less expressing and expressing the love of the planet and the harmony, it's telling people to sanctify the world, don't destroy it. You know? And. Uh, if God wants me to have an agent put me on the road, I'm open and I'm ready. All right. I'll put an invite to anyone out there. <laughs> you know, like if you want Maruga to play, let me know. I, I do the Starwood Festival. I, I used to do that for uh, in 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 uh, 
also uh, uh, the Festival of the Vibes, and uh, uh, there's uh, uh, another one. What's the one in Indiana? Uh, I forgot. But all of these different festivals, I, I, I played them. But I'm open to do it, and if anybody wants to hire me, let me know. I'm on uh, Facebook, and also you could email me at uh, M-U-R-U-G-A-B-O-O-K-E-R at yahoo.com. And that's my uh, uh, email number. So, all right. There it if is. If people want it, I'm ready to go. And uh, uh, I think that we will be doing some touring soon. That's what I sort of hear. Excellent. Well, take care, be safe, and and keep keep the one going. Uh, and I, I really appreciate you, and I, I thank you very much for allowing me to come here and babble. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkinstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guy to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkinstuff.net, and linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the Media Services section at FunkinStuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at FunkinStuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing, on vibing to the rhythm of the 